Let's grab Cam Partington from the Australian Trainers Association Queensland Division. He's got a lot of little snippets of news that I'm sure we'll be interested in. Of course, he manages Michael Rod. Michael's going really well, as we touched on with, with Rob Heathcote. Uh, two of his winners back have been for Rob, including National Choice. It was a copybook ride. And likewise, the previous one for Rob was a copybook ride as well on Press Link. That was in a maiden last week. And, of course, the promising horse, uh, Anima Corey for Sean Dwyer. Second start, uh, started short and bolting away with its maiden there at the Sunny Coast recently. I think it might be going around over 1,800 this weekend. Uh, Camel, though. But anyway, I see Mike's got quite a few rides in Brisbane tomorrow on the soft track four at this stage. So he's going really well, Michael Rod. Uh, and it's been a long journey, but it's... Um, the, the, the talent is still there, Cam. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Stephen. Yeah, look, you know, cream rises at the top, doesn't it? And as you say, it's been a long journey for, for Robbie. And um, just a, a credit to him and his family, how much they've gone through to get to this stage. But he's back and he's fitter. And, you know, as you can see by his riding already, he's already riding as good as he ever has. So uh, good things to come for him, for sure. Yeah, just getting his weight down. His heaviest ride tomorrow, of course, is I think he's at 61 and a half and his lightest one's about a 59. Just with that horse, do you know what it's going to run again to Nima Corey? Yeah, it'll run on Sunday. See, there's a class one eighteen hundred. I think Sean's, you know, a very astute trainer, and he's just going to pick and choose the races, put the horse in the right race, and get its confidence up because it was very green in what it did, but it had plenty of ability, as you, as everyone saw. So, I think we've um, we've got some nice fun ahead with that horse if um, Sean can keep it keep it sound and keep it happy. Well, I've been fortunate to have been to Tassie a couple of times. I absolutely love it, and you can see why people fall in love with it. And you you were there recently, and you caught up with some real racing characters over there. Tell us about that when you went to Tassie camp. Yeah, look, Steve, we had a tennis conference down here in Melbourne, and then I got over to Tassie and um, spent some time firstly with Walter McShane, who's an iconic trainer down here. Spent three days at his property and um, watched how he, he got on with his business. Obviously, he had that horse called Norski. It won an Adelaide Cup, and it ran second in the Sydney Cup, and he's just a legend of training in Tasmania and just to spend some time with him. He's actually, I don't know if you knew this, Steve, he's actually a relation to your Andrew Christie. Did yes, you know he that? is, yeah. Andrew's <laughs> married to Monica, previously Monica McShane, yes. So they mentioned that to me over the dinner table about, about Andrew. So, no, look, great great time down there. And just um, went to track work one morning at Brighton and, um, and saw all the way they did things. And certainly, you know, we, we've, got, we've got a lot of great things here in Queensland. That's what I'll say from the point of view of our training facilities. Um, but they certainly do the best with what they've got. And the other thing I ran into was the publican of the fourth hotel. It's called the, the railway, uh, sorry, the Bridge Hotel, Steve. And he was one of the owners of Still a Star. And I recall you certainly being in love with that horse and obviously all Tasmanian were when it was on its way to the All-Star Mile. But Tim the Publican there, the best meal I've ever had, Steve, and I've had a lot of good feeds, as you have. But um, in Tassie, the food's fantastic. But um, the meal I had there at the, the Bridge Hotel. at The, the Bridge Hotel. At, at Fourth, just near Devonport. Yeah. And he was one of the owners. So that, as soon as I walked in, there was... Photos everywhere of Stella Star. <laughs> well, uh, it's a great story. Said, Bill Ryan battled. He's battling emphysema, of course, but she only cost thirteen grand. She was sold recently for seven seven hundred thousand, and she won on the track. She won eight hundred thousand plus. Yes, she did, and she had quite a few owners with the public in there. He's, he was very proud of her, and and then I said, "Where is he?" He's he over there. He's got his own little spot on the corner, as most publicans do. So I had half an hour chatting with him about his his uh, memories and obviously, you know, the, the fun they had with Stella Star. So, um, yeah, good good fun times in Tassie, Steve. Well, we know these big work cover bills, you know, they can get up to over 200000 a year for some of the biggest stables. I know Racing Queensland is going to intervene and try and assist. Where do we sit with that now, work cover? Yes, they look, the, the, the talks continue with Racing Queensland. They've been extremely, you know, receptive to our to our problem and our concerns and it's not an easy fix and hence it hasn't just been a you know flick a switch what we have done from a trainer's point of view we've just got trainers to address it themselves the best they can it's such a the difficulty with our work cover compared to you know majority of people's is we work with animals straight away which you know are, are dangerous and unpredictable we work in the dark a lot of the times 
and just the whole the whole sort of racing horse racing sort of process of being a trainer is so dangerous and we just have so many claims and and to that point we're cover queensland you know we just don't feel do a good enough job in managing those claims they're they're very easy for them just to put them through and keep you know keep paying the bills and, and the premiums go up and up and up so we're looking for some help it's it's a national problem um at our trainers conference we talked about it and it's you know huge in victoria is now and also in tasmania down here and it's just a matter of the government's having to say, you know, that they want to keep trainers in racing. They're going to have to do something to help out with this work cover problem because it's not going to get any better. The litigation that goes on, you know, particularly overseas, is already starting to be felt here in Australia. And anybody now who sort of gets hurt, suddenly they just think, oh, well, that's a, that's a cost to a trainer. We'll put that through as a work cover claim. So we've done something. We've, we've asked all trainers to just add a $5 a day work cover levy to their invoicing, which a lot have taken up from from this month. And that's going to sort of go a long way to help recover some of the costs. But we're still looking for the industry to you know step in and the talks with Racing Queensland will continue, Steve, on that, exactly how that will look. So hopefully there'll be some support. You know, maybe, you know, 30% or thereabouts of trainers' premiums might be able to be funded through sort of industry support. So that's what we're hoping for, Steve. Cam, how many... Uh, this is a question I've been meaning to ask you for some period of time. Of course, we all have that racing magazine or the Queensland Racing Calendar. We've called it for years. And in the back, there's all the trainers in the state listed. How many actually licensed trainers do we have in the state of Queensland? That number's stayed about the same, you know, for the last 10 years, Steve, around that 900, 950. OK. Probably three or 400 of them probably lucky to have a horse. You know, might want to have one horse or two horses. I know Kirik are looking at that fairly closely because... We sort of got to, you know, to be a trainer and and maintain the knowledge of the of the industry's rules and, and regulations. That's important. And if you're not racing regularly, you're missing those things. Hence, we see quite a lot of people fall foul of the rules, you know, by accident, just by not being around, you know, being the tracks enough. So, yeah, there's there's probably 950 or something, Steve, but probably only 400. And you would say would be active that you know have more than one, you know, one or two horses regularly in work. You want to mention Curic this morning? You just touched on them there. There's some concerns at the moment to Queensland yeah, Racing Integrity. Yeah, Steve, been well documented. The Alliance, which is the breeders, the trainers, the jockeys, and the owners, had a meeting with Minister Racing Minister Grace Grace for last week. Um, you know, we called for it. You know, just to the concerns we continually have with the operation and management of Curic. And it's just a, it's been a long, you know, it's obviously been there for five years now and had a lot of teething problems, but we just haven't seen, you know, the right message coming out of Curica the way they look after our participants. And, you know, we've worked with them and tried extremely hard, um, but you know, we've asked the minister to step in and have a look at it. So what are the main concerns? Can you elaborate on that? Just probably around the, the communication and the, the way that the participants, you know, sort of are, are not being educated on things. They're more just being... You know, found found guilty straight away of something that you know maybe we should have done a lot more education on. Just the ability for the associations, which is obviously myself with the trainers and Glenn Prentice with the jockeys in particular, we have a lot to do with Curic. But just the ability to communicate to them, it's it's just very difficult, and it's it's like they're you know on a completely different planet. Uh, when we deal with racing Queensland, we are you know we're all in the same boat, and we all want to work together, and we're just trying to constantly to to fix problems and find solutions. Or if we don't find it as, as good at Curic, and we'd like to think that it should be, you know, we're all wanting to achieve the, the same result, which is for the betterment of racing in Queensland. And we'd just like to see the, you know, the bridge between 
us in Curic and even between racing Queensland and Curic a lot more easier to travel. Yeah, well, they've got a lot. Of, they've done a big recruitment drive. There's a lot of young um, stewards involved too with the organisation, but there's also trying to recruit some some senior ones. I know there was one recently from Tassie. So hopefully, with you know some more experienced people being involved, um, hopefully things can can improve as far as you're concerned in the future. There. Yeah, that's Stephen. They've had their problems, and you know, well documented. You know, the, the staffing levels are low. They, they, you know, they're understaffed and they're overworked, and that sort of comes through in a lot of the, the ways they then obviously they're only human and they, and they have to deal with that. So we just like to see them obviously, you know, fix their own problems internally and be, be have better quality and better quantity of staffing, and that should then show through in the way that they deal with the participants. What about the minimum field policy? Has that been tweaked in recent times? Not really tweaked. Chief. Just the, the tightening of the wagering belt, which. The CEO, Jason Scott's, you know, sort of been very sort of vocal of in the last couple of months and it's been seen Australia-wide, you know, pretty well post-carnivals and post-COVID. You know, the money's not there that was there in the, in the gambling revenue. So, therefore, things like field sizes, you know, the, the industry just can't afford to watch a race go around with, you know, four or five horses in it because, obviously, the betting generally on a race like that is going to be significantly less than one with eight or nine in it. So, the rule, the policy is a field of seven genuine acceptors for a race to proceed. But RQ are very, you know, consider, you know, consider of different situations. And a good example is the poly track at the Gold Coast. You know, we've just had to let a lot of races go through there with, you know, five or six. Otherwise, the meeting wouldn't have stood up. And that was no good for a club that's obviously got a race week in, week out to, to make revenue and, and entertain its clients and customers. And then you've got races up north and out in the west that if we said, oh, this race is not going ahead, well, a lot of those people, the next option for that same, you know, three-year-old 1,400-metre horse might be four weeks away, or it might be 4,400 miles away. So RQ are really good at that. They look at everything individually and case by case and decide which ones go ahead and which ones don't. But we've just, as as an industry now, we've got to realise it's going to happen to you soon. It's going to be a race that you're going to find in that program. You mentioned the racing magazine, Steve. You look at it, you find a race in three weeks' time at Toowoomba and it's a a three-year-old benchmark, 60-1400, and you go, that's our race. You know, there's just no guarantee, particularly those boutique-style races, Steve. Your bread and butter ones, your class ones, class twos over the, you know, the sprinting journeys, they're always going to get huge fields. And then we end up dividing those races. So for us to be able to afford to divide those races and use the prize money wisely to do that, we can't then afford to have races going around with, you know, four and five runners. So it's a difficult situation because we've got to consider that, you know, every horse deserves a race. And all the ATA does is work really closely with RQ to, try and get as many of these races to proceed and if they don't get them to reschedule give that chance for those horses again you know five days later and that just might put a whole new pool of horses into the availability for that race Steve and you might find instead of having four noms or four acceptances say for a race on a Tuesday you put it back on again the following Tuesday and you'll get 10 um, which will help that race go ahead so just something participants have got to be wary of it's no longer just a given but, you know, the race in the program is going to proceed. And just what about the new weight spread that we did touch on briefly last time we spoke? Yeah, look, it's obviously been in a couple of weeks now. And look, the big big advantage is to the punter and obviously also to the owner or the trainer because they can put a horse into a race now and get a more of a genuine handicap, particularly with true weights availability as well. So the, rate, the weight spread with the true weight in the metro area, you know, is now eight kilos. So from the top to the bottom, the handicap has got the opportunity to say, well, that horse might be not credentialed very well to be in that race, but he gets a weight advantage what he's, you know, more entitled to. Um, so therefore, the punter can have a look at the horse and say, well, that horse has got a genuine chance now with eight kilos off the top weight rather than previously it was only five as a maximum before true weights and before this weight increased to 60. It also helps some of the heavier jockeys, Steve. The, rate, the weights just generally are 
that one kilo heavier sort of across the board now. So we're seeing a lot of races with, I mean, a horse is 55, 56, 57 in them, rather than previously it was the 54 and up. So therefore, you know, you sort of got those, you know, Jimmy Ormonds and Ryan Maloney's who are our big draw card jockeys, uh, Justin Stanley's, all those guys who battle so hard with their weight. The CEO, Jason Scott, was very keen to try and do something to, to give them an opportunity to obviously not, you know, waste themselves into the into the ground and lose them to the industry. So that's and, where the weight spreads have helped. Okay, excellent. And just in regards to Sunday night or late into the, you know, late, late afternoon into the night at Sunshine Coast on a Sunday to coincide with Hong Kong, I think we're going to see a couple of those trials during the summer period coming up. Yeah, we have, Steve, in January and February, there's a four-week period there. And it's just going to, I think the last race is going to be around about that 6.30, quarter to seven mark. So it's not going to be as late as originally thought. So it is going to be a look an inconvenience, you know, to obviously anybody's in those last couple of races. They're going to get home a bit later. But uh, ideally with the traffic as well, we're going to start later, which means hopefully we won't have as big a problem. But I really don't think the traffic's going to help. No matter what time you leave on a Sunday morning, you seem to strike it. But the good thing there is obviously we're into a waiting window that people are betting on Hong Kong and their big races in Hong Kong and they can flick around and the next race that they watch straight after they've lost there or won their money on Hong Kong is the Sunshine Coast, which will be, obviously, we need that revenue to come in to be able to sustain everything else we do. Yeah, I was just uh, having a look. What time is the norm last race in Hong Kong normally on a Sunday at Chartin? I'm just trying to have a look at last Sunday, for example, as I'm talking to you. Yeah, I think it's around about 7.30. That's, but the, the main race is usually sort of around that 6 p.m. mark, 6.30 mark, I think, you know, when they have those... Hong Kong International Group sort of meetings. I think the big races are that, you know, between five and sort of seven sort of time frame, but you might be able to find that there. Yeah, I think the last there was around eight o'clock there uh, on the weekend, our time. Yeah, we've been assured by RQ we're not going to push into that, you know, just to be there for the last of Hong Kong. We just want to be there for those main couple of races, which probably is their last, you know, the, the middle races, I'd say. Yeah, 10 to 8 it was, the last on the card there last mm. weekend. Look, always nice to touch base, and we'll do that again. And I saw those couple of those trials this morning. I watched them yesterday on the course proper, the official trials. We had jump outs last week, and it looks really terrific. So that'll really boost the morale, too, of participants. As you mentioned, a lot of trainers, and they just don't like running on it, owners and so on on the poly track. But the grass is ready to go, running weeks away. That's great. Yeah, Stephen, I had, I had yeah. some, you know, Sam Collett was down there riding on it. She said it was just beautiful. And yeah. the, the key there is the poly track had to, had to serve a purpose and unfortunately it was part of the programming. And, and for a lot of trainers, that's 25% of the programming for the week was taken up there. And if they didn't have a horse or they didn't want to go to it, made it very difficult. So the very welcome return is that grass track at the Gold Coast. They've done a fantastic job for the club and we look forward to getting down there. Any idea when these trials might be rerun that we're on today, Doombin? They're just talking this morning. They've obviously got to see how that track's going to pull up during the day. Thursday would normally sort of be the day, but there's racing at Ipswich on Thursday, and it's always difficult to have trials on the same day as a sort of a, a major, you know, Brisbane type of a, a meeting. Um, and obviously, is the track going to recover and the damage that's done to the track if they do run on it on a heavy eight or heavy nine? So, at this stage, nothing there. And the other bit of news too is we've had problems with Racing Australia recently with their with their computer technology in there, and there's obviously a major problem there this morning, Steve. So just let trainers know that anything you want to do, you'll need to ring the service centre. The online system's going to be down for quite some time and cause some headaches. So um, if you're looking, wanting to do something for your horse to accept or or nominate for today, um, you'd want to be um, ringing up Riser for that. Thanks, Kim. Thanks, Steve. Bob. Cam Partington from the Australian Trainers Association. Just on those trials yesterday, one of the more impressive winners on the new Gold Coast course proper was Barassi. And he ran the quickest of the 1,000-metre heats. And funny, um, well, there must be a story. He, he's very well bred by I Am Invincible, who actually Toby trained for a period of time. So this is Toby and Trent Edmonds Barassi. So a five-year-old that hasn't raced 
and uh, he rolled on speed and was good there for Ryan Maloney winning yesterday by about two. But he trialled back in March of 2021 and then again in April 2021 and then he reappeared. So obviously there was an issue there. He was a couple of years off the scene, but obviously they're persevering with him. He's still an entire Barassi. So next time we talk to Toby or Trent, we'll ask a bit about his history um, and, um, and when we might see him again, uh, Barassi. Let me just see. I'm pretty sure he was a he's a Magic Millions horse. So that's obviously where they're trying to get him to. Let me just have a quick look. Uh, I looked at it this morning. Yeah, he's $300,000 at the Magic Millions yearling sale back in 2020, Barassi.